O God, who instructs the hearts of your faithful by the light of your Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to be truly wise and live as your people, through Christ our Lord. We often hear sayings from the Bible that aren't really from the Bible. How many of us can relate to any of the following sayings? Money is the root of all evil. When actually the Bible says in 1 Timothy, the love of money is the root of all evil. Or how about God helps those who help themselves? When Hebrews 4 encourages us to approach the God of grace, who offers mercy and grace whenever we are in need. One of the favorites around our house was cleanliness is next to godliness, which actually comes from a sermon by John Wesley in the 1700s. <laughs> While the psalmist tells us to approach God with clean hands and a pure heart, we might want to give greater emphasis to the inner person, the pure heart that God sees more than the outer hands that are obvious. Because while cleanliness is next to great hygiene, the pure of heart are blessed, and they are singled out as seeing God, as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 instructs us. My favorite of all time occurred when a woman pulled me aside on the job as I was softly whispering as I was walking. I'm sorry, I was, so I was softly whistling when I was walking. And if you've been around me a while, I'm usually whistling or singing under my breath. And she questioned my faith. She wondered if I was a Christian because a whistling woman is unfit for God. <laughs> I think if that's how you're gonna judge my faith, I'm a whistle away. <laughs> Having had considerable familiarity with the Bible, I asked her to show me exactly where that was located. Um, she couldn't because it's not biblical, but it comes from an English proverb that says, a whistling woman and a crowing hen is neither fit for God or men. <laughs> in fact, I could only find three times in the entire Bible that whistling is mentioned, and that's only if you use the NASB version. And that's always when God is calling or proclaiming something. So much we hear about the Bible is not always necessarily in the Bible. This morning, our text from 2 Thessalonians contained passages that are not easy to hear. On the surface and separated from the context, they sound harsh. Phrases like, stay away from believers who are idle. Does that mean if I'm taking a rest, you can't be near me? Or those who fail to follow the traditions. Well, we know we're safe. <laughs> or how about anyone who's unwilling to work should not eat? because that's the way this passage used to be translated. This passage for several hundred years was translated, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And it was used to justify poor houses, the idea that poverty is always a choice, when it seldom is a choice, and was used as the theological basis for gutting social programs. For someone who cannot find a job or is underemployed, these verses have been used to shame them. There are many people we assist, including one this morning and possibly a few more this afternoon, 
And in speaking to one woman, I was reminded about the enormous challenges faced when one is trying to find work. The necessity of finding childcare, transportation, having sufficient savings for the first two weeks where you get no paycheck, looking at nutritious meals, health care, insurance, and gas to maintain a job once found can be colossal hurdles to overcome. If you add insufficient education, an old felony that was supposed to be a debt to society that is actually never repaid, or language and age issues, and then add the lack of factory work that would allow a living wage, and automated automated resume screening algorithms that even if you are qualified, you would never have moved forward. I was once screened out as a nurse. I'd been a nurse for 10 years at that point. It said I wasn't qualified because I wasn't a nurse. Poor algorithms. The willingness to work is sometimes crushed by circumstances, so we assist where we are able. But there is more to this passage than the phrase, as Paul's not talking about the general welfare of the population. The context that he was speaking was the community of believers gathered in Thessalonica. At that time, the fledgling Christian community anticipated the return of Christ, that it would be eminent, or that it had already occurred. Since they believed their time on earth was very short, there was no purpose in marrying or doing all that they could to share the love of Christ with others, a portion of the Christian community chose to do nothing at all. We have compassion for them because sometimes the pressures of the moment hinder us too. Paul hints of this as a problem in his prior letter of 1 Thessalonians 5 where he notes, now brothers and sisters about times and dates I don't need to write to you. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. That's a tall order. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Don't be idle. Work hard. Be patient with everyone. But apparently his first letter to the Thessalonians didn't have the intended outcome because he writes them a second letter, which we're looking at today. He says, I still hear that some of you are living in idleness. Now he talks about them being busybodies not doing any work. There's a saying also not in the Bible that says idle hands are the devil's workshop. According to New Testament scholar Dr. Chandler, Paul uses an unusual Greek word for idleness. It's periagazomai, one that means to meddle or interfere, and it's a play on the Greek word for work. In essence, it means that it's going around work. So instead of doing the work, it's peri, it's going around it. They're meddling in the work of others and they should learn to work quietly and earn their own living. Paul's conversation is clearly oriented about how the faith community will work together as the body of Christ. Paul envisions the body of Christ as a place where everyone can contribute something to the welfare of the whole. 
for we are an example of the hope and love of God in and for the world, because everyone has a gift to offer. There are some of us who I think were born with a shopping gene. My sisters have it, I don't. But if by chance you've developed that skill or it comes to you naturally, then maybe you could consider assisting with the needs of day springs as the temperature plummets or the Damien Center or the annual sock and soap drive that we'll hear more about in the coming weeks as we learn more about that together. Perhaps you like to cook and maybe you could host the coffee hour or volunteer to clean up afterwards. Those who can preach and chant, well, I'm looking forward to hearing more from them in the weeks ahead. There are lay people in our congregation who might feel a call to preach and want to test the waters. Our diocese will be providing a class for that with registration available now on the diocesan website. Those whose public ministry may have shifted away from a public stance may now feel called to pray in a more focused and intentional way. And this is vital, for this is not the work of man, but the work of God, grounded in faith and love. Knowing that members of the congregation are praying for us daily is critically important. There is never a need to be idle. Everyone has something to offer. It can start with a smile, a kind gesture, an invitation to join me as I walk over to coffee hour or follow up with me as we stay for the adult forum. You can encourage the disheartened. Maybe there is a stirring in your heart toward offering your gifts as a vestry member, a lay leader, an altar guild member, a greeter, an acolyte, or discerning a possible call to the diaconate or the priesthood or children's work. There are problems and joys in the church in Thessalonica, and it was significant enough for them to write about it. We are continuing to write our story of all saints. We have a rich history and an unprecedented future. So let us all discover ways in the present to nurture and share all the gifts within and around us as we promote the love of the kingdom of God.